Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I am. I'm, I'm just glad you're here. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible that is a Bible of your own, we have free ones for you. If you already have a Bible but you forgot it, you can borrow one, but put it back because we buy those for people who don't have a Bible. We want you to have your own. So uh, go ahead and grab one. Someone with a red shirt, our, our frontline ministry team will give that to you. That's our gift to you if you don't have a Bible. You're going to need that. Matthew 26, we're here today. Uh, it's a special day today. It's an exciting day. Today is the launch of Love Week. Hey, all right. We got a few. We got, we got like a, a golf clap. I just hit a putt, and that's like good. No, we're excited, man. It's Love Week. This is an incredible week. I'll tell you a little bit more about it when we jump into the Word today. But I do believe as we continue our Code of Kings series, God does have a challenge and a reminder for many of us today as we kind of unlock our sixth code. And we're going to do it here in Matthew chapter 26. This is the story of Jesus. And he finds himself in a home of a man named Simon the leper who was a, who was a Pharisee and he was a, a significant man in the kingdom of Israel. And it says this, now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. She poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold and for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, I love how Jesus reads minds. Think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts. <laughs> Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I want to talk to you today about radical generosity. I love how the words of Jesus actually have already come true in this moment. Wherever the gospel is, that this woman would be, would be talked about, we're talking about her story over 2,000 years later, some three quarters of a million days later, and we're still talking about this. So I want to look at this today. Would you pray with me one more time? Lord, we ask you today that you would speak to us. Lord, we are your church and we want to bear your image. So God, would you free us from uh, bad paradigms? Would you free us from untruth? Would you deposit the truth of your word in us? Lord, I pray that as I speak, it would be you that speaks. We don't want man's opinions. This is not a TED talk. We want your word to speak to us because your word brings life. So speak today, Father, we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Can we thank the band? Let them know we appreciate them and you guys can have a seat. You guys can have a seat. So the disciples cannot understand why this waste. Why this waste? I want to have that slogan, that saying in our minds today, why this waste? They can't wrap their heads around. Now, if you do some digging and you find out a little bit more about this passage, you'll find out that this alabaster jar that this woman poured out on Jesus' head would have been worth about a year's wages. Now, some scholars say that this woman was likely a woman of the night, a woman of the city. She was someone that would not have been wealthy or rich, and this may very well have represented her whole life savings. So the disciples, who were guys that were just doing their best to follow Jesus, they weren't trying to be jerks. They weren't trying to be pious. They weren't trying to be pharisaical. They really could not wrap their heads around why this waste. They thought, why would you do that? That seems like a bad spend. 
Why would you spend on that? Why this waste? Have you ever seen someone do something with their money or their time that made you ask that question, like, why this waste? Maybe you've done that and your spouse asked you that question. Anybody? Nobody's going to be honest in church today. I'm, okay, I'm going to go home. Yeah, I think we've all done that. In fact, we've all seen people do that. I, I, just so we all feel better, because you've all wasted money, and so have I. But just so we all feel better, I found, like, the ultimate ultimate wasters of money online. I went on eBay to find out the ultimate things that people have spent a lot of money on, and you're not going to believe what I found. I found, first I found this. I wish this was my idea. What you have here allegedly is a ghost in a jar. It was sold for $55,000 on eBay. True story. Crazy. Uh, this next gentleman, I thought this was awesome and kind of sad. He decided to auction his life off for $200,000. He, he would be your property. Uh, no one bought him. I don't know what that does to his already wavering self-esteem, but that's a rough, that's a rough auction season. Um, this next one was crazy to me. Uh, this is a grilled cheese sandwich, allegedly with the face of Mother Mary in it, um, and that was not just a grilled cheese sandwich with bread and a piece of craft cheese slice that actually sold for a mere $28,000. Crazy. Like the things that people will spend their money on. Uh, I kept looking and I found this is a graphic t-shirt. Uh, that was the price tag on this t-shirt. Apparently it's like all organic and stuff and it's this really cool design. That was $400,000. Yeah, why this waste, right? Like, what, are you an idiot? People have too much money or something. Anyway, and then this one was the creme de la creme. Uh, I found an iPhone 4 that uh, you can have designed by a, like a, a world-famous jeweler that, that's worth $9 million, allegedly. Uh, it's all gold hardware, all diamonds, all through it. The only problem is you can't get a software update, so you're really committed to the iPhone 4. That's just not why this waste. You, you all know what I mean, though. When someone does something with their money that it just kind of breaks your circuitry, and you're like, what on earth would possess you to do that? Like, why would you do that? And that kind of gives you a little bit of a window into why the disciples had a hard time with this woman as to why would she, why would she just drop all of that in one instance, in one moment, a year's wage is gone. Why would you, why would you waste on Jesus like that? Why this waste? Why this radical level of generosity? Why would you do this? We've been, for the last, can you believe it now, six weeks tracking through a series we're calling the Code of Kings. And essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to fasten down our core values because what we believe is, and this is true of your home, this is true of your life, your values shape your culture. And so we are trying to make sure that our values are, in, are such that it shapes a kingdom culture here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've been breaking it down each week about what our core values are. What are the non-negotiables and all the change and all the uncertainty in the world? What are the things that we are saying this matters and this matters forever. And so each week we've been unlocking these values and here we arrive at value number six. And the value is this, that we as a church and as a people, we embrace a lifestyle of radical generosity. We embrace a lifestyle of radical generosity that, that our lives to some degree and in some situations should actually represent and look like this woman that causes people to actually have to kind of scratch their head and ask the question, why this waste? Why would you give your time this way? 
Why would you give yourself this way? Why would you give your money this way? Why this waste? We embrace as a church radical generosity. This is not just something that we do because we feel good when we do it. This is a core conviction. This is a day-to-day lifestyle. This is a daily decision to be people who embrace radical generosity. Our statement that we tag along, and I don't know about you guys in the Valley Campus, but I really appreciated as Pastor Drew has graphic has put a graphic on our wall, putting the code there. Go check it out sometime. But our statement as we kind of uh, describe what radical generosity means, it, it, we say this, and we'll bring it up on the screen. We serve a generous king who gives without limit or condition. Out of his unending wealth, we give. That's so good. No one's even acting like it is, but that's good stuff. Let me say it again. We serve a generous king. Can I get an amen? Amen. Who gives without limit or condition. Out of his unending wealth, we give. Can you say it with me? Can we just make sure you're awake? We serve a generous king who gives without limit or condition. Out of his unending wealth, we give. We are the church, and we are called to live a life of radical generosity. We receive the generosity of Christ, and we release the generosity of Christ. We reflect the generosity of Christ, and we show the world the generosity of Christ. We live and we adopt a lifestyle of radical generosity. We talked about being decidedly different a few weeks ago, and one of the ways that we are decidedly different is that we are free to give in a way that is unusual. We, the people of God, are free to give our time, our money, our resources. We are detached from those things in a way that is unordinary and unorthodox and unusual. We are radically generous, not just generous. There's an there's a, a element to us that is radical. It's different. It's hard to understand. It makes people wonder why this waste. Maybe you're here. And you've been coming for a little while and now you've seen each week that we take up an offering and now you've put together that these people are giving their hard-earned money and they're not doing it out of obligation. They're not doing it because they have to. You've been watching it happen and you're still trying to wrap your head around why this waste? What would cause someone to give like that? I was just this morning before the service, every week we have a volunteer rally and I was standing with 30 some volunteers who got here 40 minutes before anybody else did and they're gonna be here all weekend serving, giving, wasting their time. What causes people here at our church to to consider giving of themselves, wasting of themselves in that way? Why this waste? What actually drives this idea of radical generosity? I'm glad you asked. I wanna break this down. Today we're launching into to Love Week. And Love Week is, is, a, is a one week effort where we try to combine our gener- generosity to make as big of an impact as we possibly can. But the reason we launched Love Week a few years ago wasn't because we weren't being generous, it was because we already were. And I wanted our church to see the compound effect of generosity when we line it up together. As I became the lead pastor uh, almost four years ago now, um, I, I started to notice, like, you, get, you get a perspective on the body of Christ that not everybody gets. And I, I got to hear the stories and see the things that people were doing on a daily and weekly basis. I have to tell you, church, you are some of the most generous, selfless people I have ever met. 
And from my perspective, I see so much generosity. And so we decided, you know what, we need to do something that just raises a collective awareness of the fact that you're not the only one giving, that we don't just give one week of the year, we give 365 days a year. So Love Week was a concerted effort to combine our timing together to make as big of a punch and impact we can at once. And so that's what Love Week is. And each year we've been doing this for the last three years where we've gone around the city. And if you're new to this, what we're gonna do at the end of the service today is we're gonna take up an offering. We're gonna go around the city and we are gonna bless people like crazy. And it's been amazing to watch over the last few years as we've gone to missions that are doing absolutely amazing work. And we, we don't wanna re- reinvent the wheel. We don't need to be the one that does all the stuff. We want to get behind where God is moving. We want to get behind where things are happening. And so what we've done is we've gone around the city and we have sewn into these organizations and and these stories and it's been an incredible thing. And we're going to do that again today. And some of you are going to get up and you're going to give generously. And I want to talk just for a minute about what it is that actually drives this unusual generosity. Because anybody can give once in a while. Anybody can tip the waiter. Anybody can be kind once in a while, but it takes something else from somewhere else or someone else to live out a day-to-day lifestyle of generosity. Amen? So I want to talk about this for a minute, and I've got, just, just to help you just track these things, I have four kind of concepts that drive generosity, and for your ease of understanding, they all start with the letter R. So let's go. Number one, the first idea, when, when, it talk, when we talk about this idea of generosity and where radical generosity comes from, the first foundational thing you have to understand, if you are ever going to be a person who, who, who just embraces radical generosity, it's going to be, be because of this one word. Don't mind my handwriting. I am a millennial. Reliance. Reliance. Let's go back to our story for a second, and then we'll break this concept down. So there we are. We're in the room. We're at Simon the the leper's house, and this woman comes in, and she just goes past everybody, and she takes this expensive jar that everybody recognized. It's like Christian Dior or something. Like everybody knew that was the good stuff. Or I don't even know if Christian Dior is the good stuff. I'm just, just throwing that out there. But it was the good stuff. And, and she comes in, and she just takes it and opens it and just dumps the whole thing on Jesus. And everybody's wondering, why this waste? Why would you do that? Like, that's a year's wages. That could have at very least propelled your life. That's probably your life savings. Or we could have sold that. We could have given it to the poor. Why would you waste your money like that? But for this woman, it wasn't a, it wasn't a waste. It wasn't a waste. And it wasn't a question of whether or not she would be able to replace that money. There was no question about, okay, if I pour this out, then what? Because the thing that keeps us from being generous is not that we don't want to give, it's that we aren't quite convinced that we're gonna have enough left over. And so what this woman did was she dumped everything out on Jesus and what this shows us, if we could look in the spirit and see what's going on, she's not dumping out perfume. She's dumping out trust. She's dumping out her trust in Jesus. She's saying, she's dumping out all of her fears, all of her what ifs, all of her I hope I have enough to make ends meet. And she's saying, I choose not to trust in my wealth or my riches. I choose to trust in him. You see, you will never live a life of generosity until you have resolved one thing. That Jesus is my provider. That money or perfume or my riches or my RRSP, hardest thing to say in public speaking, 
or my retirement, my stocks. I do not ultimately trust in these things. These are a blessing that God has put in my hand. But my trust, I do not trust in riches. I trust in Jesus as my provider. And you will only be as generous as your trust in Jesus is. Because when you trust Jesus as your provider, it frees you up to live a life of radical generosity. If you truly believe, like I believe this woman did, that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he does own the cattle on a thousand hills, that he is the bread of life, that he's the commander of the universe, that he doesn't just control money, he makes the trees that we cut the stuff up with. Like if you believe that about Jesus, it really liberates you to live a life of generosity. If you believe that Jesus truly is who he says he is, the trust that comes there actually frees you to give radically. See, this woman had this foundational reliance on Jesus. Freedom to give radically comes when you have realized that Jesus is the ultimate provider. When you've realized that no one can provide for me like Jesus. Here's why, let me just level with us. Here's why we struggle so much to give, especially our money, is because in this whole world, there are so many things that are outside of your control, correct? You can't control illness. You can't control the weather. You can't control what happens. You can't control what today brings. Virtually everything on this planet is outside of the hand of your control except your money. You have dominion over the money you have. You may not have enough. You may wish for more. But the money you do have, you are Lord. And the reason we struggle so much to be generous is because that's the last little area of lordship that usually that's the battleground for what and who you ultimately trust. This is why Jesus went after what you do with your money more than anything. Jesus could care less about money. He wants your heart and your trust. This is why he said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other, and you must choose. You cannot serve God and money. So the question about radical generosity ultimately comes from this idea, this realization that Jesus is a better provider over my life than my ability to generate wealth. He's a better provider than my intellect. He's a better provider than my talent. Jesus is my provider. And so many of you, I've just been so encouraged, especially at this time of year when we do Love Week, I've seen so many of you embrace this Bottom line trust in Jesus for the first time. And the, the amazing thing, I'll never get tired of seeing people come to me who put their trust in Jesus and they sacrifice financially especially. And they come to me and they say, Jesus provided for me. You said, and his, his word said that if I give, he, he, would, he would take care of me, and he did. It, it works every time. Just last week, I was just before the service sitting with Patrick Clowater, one of, our, one of our public safety guys, and we were chatting and talking about Love Week, and he said, you know what? Uh, a little over a year ago, my wife and I, we decided to actually put our trust and give our first to God to actually put him first. That's what a tithe is. The tithe has nothing to do with the number. It has everything to do with trust. And he said, we decided to put him first. And what we found after we did that and we put our trust in him, not in how much we had, everything started to shift. Everything started to change. See, the amazing thing about being radically generous and trusting that Jesus is your provider is that you actually find Jesus to be faithful. And so many of you, if I could just press on this for a minute, I I don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. I want you to experience the living God. 
And one of the ultimate ways you will ever experience the living God is when you give up your last little bit of your kingdom and you say, God, I trust you even more than my riches. And you begin to see God move in your life like you've never seen. I've seen it. I've seen God, and I don't know if anybody can testify to this. I've seen God be so faithful in that area for me. Every time, every time I've stepped out in faith, he is not just taking care of me. He is more than taking care of me. And I've had some incredible stories. I know you have. I'll share one. This will blow your mind. This past summer, uh, we were in the middle of the summer, and just like you, for many of us, uh, we, my wife and I, we decided to just expand our regular giving for our MOVE initiative. And so we decided to just stretch as far as we could. We felt the Lord asking us to do a certain amount, and so it's a weekly thing that we've just grown into, and, and it's, it's significant, and it's a significant part of my income. And uh, so I just felt very clear, though, this is what we were to do. And so we've been doing that. And come middle of the summer, uh, I don't know about you, but I was tested big time. And everything we owned started to break, it seemed like. Anybody ever go through that season? Like, just like car, uh, air conditioner, like all these first world problems, really. But at the end of the day, there were things that I did not have the money to repair. And I, I kid you not, this happened. I was feeling that pressure, but at the, at the same time, I was feeling the Lord say, because I, I was hearing this kind of thought, maybe I should pull back for a while and just get our feet under us so that, so that we can just fix some stuff and then we'll jump back in. And, and I, was, I felt the Lord say, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. And come midsummer, I, I was feeling a whole lot of peace with it, although our situation hadn't really changed. And I, I found myself here at the Valley Campus on a, on a Tuesday morning before our staff meeting. I was just spending time with the Lord. And I had a great just season, and I was in a great season with him, and I had this good morning with him. And I, I kind of closed my prayer time off with God. And when I talked to God, I talked to him as king, but I also talked to him as a father. And I, I just said, Lord, I thank you uh, for the way you're taking care of me, and I trust you, and I really meant it, and I felt it. And I said, but Lord, it would be, it would be really helpful um, for some financial provision. My exact words, financial provision. I, I left my room and headed to staff meeting, and uh, I got a text that said from a lady in our church said, are you praying for financial provision this morning? I, I, you can't make this stuff up. And I, 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 I sheepishly said, yes, actually I am. And she said, the Lord has put you on my heart and I'm to, and I'm to give you a gift. And she e-transferred me a gift. And to me, it was so generous, but beyond that, it, it told me something. It told me that my God can be trusted, that at any moment, at any time, if I trust him, he will provide. I thought it was so cool. This is just the nerd in me. I thought it was so cool that I never actually touched money. Like a text came in and then an e-transfer and it was like all this imaginary money, but it wasn't, it was real. And I thought, that's a picture, no, but listen, that's a picture of faith. You might not be able to touch it or hold it in your hand, but I'll tell you what, there's, God, has, God has absolutely everything at his disposal. And if he wants to e-transfer you money, he can drop it from the sky, he can send a stork, he can do whatever he wants. The point is this, I stand here today, I have seen it, I have tested him, and I have seen him faithful. God will provide for you. So the reason, the reason we can live a life of radical generosity, if God asks us to step out, we can trust that he is going to fill in the void every time, every time. So the first kind of concept here is this idea of reliance. Second big idea when it comes to the reason we can live a life of radical generosity is this idea of a return. Yes. 
See, the, the amazing thing about God, and this is, why, this is why this is such like fertile ground for you to experience God like never before. The amazing thing about God is when you step out and you, you give, whether it's money or time, and, and you sacrifice, God doesn't just provide for you enough to make up ground for what you gave, but God actually produces a return on your investment. God always outgives you is another way to say it. And I've seen that to be true. It's not just that when I have chosen to trust God in an area of generosity that I've seen him meet my need. I've seen him always exceed my need. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you, you step out and you give to God and you, you're expecting him to just kind of make up the ground that you gave. And then you find him over time. He's not only made up that ground, but he actually produces an increase that you never had. I kid you not, every time I've expanded my giving in my life, I've had some kind of promotion. Every time. See, when you give to God... It not just, he not just meets your needs, but there is a return that comes. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord your God with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Anybody got some vats they need brimming over? You might not be a farmer, but the point is this. If you honor God and you trust him, he will not just meet your need, but he will exceed it. There truly is a return on this investment. Jesus said it like this, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. For the measure at which you use it, it will be measured unto you. What's he talking about? He's actually using an old metaphor. Back in those days, they used to go and they would get grain. And what they would do is they would take a basket and they would fill up the basket. And then the, the person grabbing the grain would like stomp on it to try to get the, the grain down lower so they could get a little more in the basket, try to fill it up to the full, right? Like you did with your Halloween treats when you were a kid in your suit and your pillowcase. You'd like stuff it down in all the way so you could get more, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. And he's saying, when you give... It's not just that God meets you back at what you lost, but he actually gives in such a way that it's pressed down, shaken together, filled back up, and then overflowing into your lap. He's saying God will outgive you. When you are radically generous, it produces a return of God's radical generosity in your life. It absolutely does. And some of you are looking at me saying, is that the prosperity gospel? No. Listen, if you put, if you put any word in front of the word gospel, it is no longer the gospel. The gospel stands on its own, but I will say this, and I want to redeem this. The gospel is prosperity. The gospel is prosperity in the fact of this, that, that God is for your eternal prosperity. That, God, that Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come for your life and that you would have it to the full, that you would prosper. This is not about tricking God. If you think you can trick God into giving you snakeskin boots and a Learjet, you need to read your Bible again. But what this is about is knowing that God is not just in this to provide for me the bare minimum, but he wants me to experience abundant life, overflowing life. The gospel equals prosperity. Think about this. You were in debt, in a sin debt, and God paid your debt. Not only did he pay your debt, but he actually rose you up to life and he's given you an eternal inheritance. I call that prosperity. The gospel is prosperity, and you need to resolve that. We need to redeem that word and take that back. I don't know what preacher you saw online or on TV that was trying to trick you into giving 10 bucks so you could get 100 back. Like, that's not what we're talking about here, but there's a shade of truth in there. And the truth is this, that God is for your prosperity. He absolutely is. It just may look different than what you think. 
It just may turn out different. And I, I, I just this week, I saw my cousin who's on his own faith journey, faith journey and he, he gave a generous gift towards our MOVE campaign. That was a huge step for him. And I just told him that day, I said, you watch. You watch for it. You will see something happen in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't, don't, don't assume that it's going to be money. But you watch. Something will happen in your life where you know the goodness of God. Where you know that because I honored God, he now is honoring you. You watch for it. And I would say the same thing to you today. If, you're, if you come and you give, you watch. I saw so many of you last year, it was almost funny by the end of Love Week, coming up to me saying, I gave this and then this happened. It's because it does. If you want to experience God, I, I challenge you. Do you know this is the only area in the whole Bible where God gives you permission to test him? He says, do not test me. Except for in this area, put me to the test and see that I do not open up heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not be able to handle it. That is what the Bible says. So we give radically because we have this radical expectation that I give and God will give to me. And I've seen it in my own life. I know so many of you have seen it in your lives. We gotta hurry. Okay, reliance, return. Third big idea, and this is getting right to the heart of why we are free to give. And it is this idea of response. I don't know why I went all caps, but I did. Response. The ultimate reason why this woman was giving wasn't out of obligation. There was nothing in her Bible. There was no one coming to her. No Pharisee came and said, you're going to have to pour all that ointment out on Jesus to be a good girl. This wasn't obligation. This wasn't law. She didn't have to. She was compelled she was compelled. The, the reason she gave this waste, the reason why this waste is because it was a response to the way that God wasted his son on her. That's what this is. That's, and that's why we're radically generous. Ultimately, it comes down to this, that God has been so radically generous to me. How can I withhold any generosity? Like I have received so much grace. How can I hold it back? Jesus was, was explaining this in a parallel account. It's in Luke chapter six. We, we don't know if it's the exact same account or if this happened twice. There's debate on that. Nonetheless, another woman comes in. It's the same woman or it's another woman. She comes in, she dumps out this expensive ointment on Jesus. And Jesus challenges the people in the room and he says, this woman, though her sins, they are many, have been forgiven. And he who has been forgiven much loves much. The reason you and I give generously, the reason we embrace this life of radical generosity, the reason so many of you, you give up your hard-earned money, you give up your time every week to serve in the church or you volunteer at that mission, the reason we do that is not out of obligation. It's out of a response to the fact that my God saw me in a debt, in a helpless estate, and he looked upon my life when I had nothing going for me. I had no credibility, no credit. And he gave his son for me in my place. He, set the, he settled my sin debt. And then he offered me an eternal inheritance. And here's the ultimate test of whether you've received grace or not. Is whether or not you can give it. Here, here's how you know that you've been able to receive God's radical generosity in your life. Is it, is it coming out of you? Because you can't give what you have not received. 
If you struggle to give grace to someone, if you struggle to give forgiveness, if you struggle to be generous, if this conversation makes you uncomfortable, I suggest to you that there is some receiving issues you need to work out. Your issue is not about giving. Your issue is about receiving. Do you know how radically generous God has been to you? I remember one time, there's a couple reasons why, you know, here's what I know to be true. You can have been given something and not receive it. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, sometimes it's ignorance. You just don't know the cost. You don't know what's really behind it. I remember I was, I was like in middle of high school, maybe grade 10 or 11. And I remember like after a lifetime, this is funny, but it's true. After a lifetime of like tossing my mother's egg salad sandwiches in the garbage before I went to school because I didn't want it to stink. True story. Don't judge me. <laughs> After a lifetime of that, I remember one day I, I went to throw it out again and uh, I had this like thought hit me and I had this picture of my mom getting up before all three of her kids in her nursing gear, going to the kitchen at like 6 a.m., making me a sandwich, packing me a meal that she earned with my dad and paid for. And I had this moment of like, this isn't an egg salad. This isn't an egg salad sandwich. This is the love of my mother. You know, and it's, it's kind of funny, but I never, I stopped throwing them out. It's like, oh, eat the sandwich. <laughs> but, but sometimes you're ignorant to the actual value of what you've been given. And until you understand that and receive it, and then sometimes you're just too arrogant. You're too proud to receive. But here's the, here's the point. If you struggle to be generous, I, su I suspect that you have struggled to receive the grace that God has given you. The reason that we are able to be so generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure is because we understand at our core that Jesus has been so exceedingly, like, like lavishly generous to you. Anybody, anybody feel that? Like you should wake up as a believer every day and say, wow, why me? Why am I your favorite? Like, why have you been so good to me? You should have that feeling. Like when I stop and just by the grace of God have a moment like with my egg salad sandwich and I think about what God has given me in my life, like it, it just wrecks me. And the times where I am not quick to be generous are the times where I'm not quick to receive the grace that I have been given. Radical generosity is about a response. Last week I, I got to hear um, in our pre-service rally, we always have a little rally for our volunteers and I got to hear Jen Ryder uh, share her story. And I was so moved by her story where she was talking about why she serves on our volunteer team. And she talked about how, you know, I came to this church and I was welcomed in with open arms and I was brought into a community group and people loved me and they gave me time and then I got it. And then I received the grace of God and she's welling up with tears and she says, I, I, had, to, I had to do something with it. I had to give, I had to serve. That's the true tell that you've got the love of God in you is that it's coming out of you. And so the reason we're so radically generous is out of response. It's not because I'm so pious. It's not because I'm such a good person. It's not because I want you to see me. It's because he has been so good to me. How can I withhold the kindness and grace I've been given? It's about a response. I, I, I want my kids to know. Like I, I want them to know how much time and money their parents have given to Christ's church, I'm going to tell them something. I'm going to show them on a spreadsheet. <laughs> not, be, not because I want them to, to, to think anything other than this. I want them to ask that very question, Dad, why this waste? Why would you, why this waste? Why would you, why would you cut out so much of your income toward that? Why would you do that? And I want to tell them because 
your mother and I have been forgiven much. So we love much. Jesus has wasted his life and his blood and his, himself on me. It is my compulsion and conviction to release the same grace and generosity that he has given to me. It's a response. Final, final observation is this, and I'm gonna land the plane here for Love Week. We give radically out of just this foundational trust. We give out of expectation that we believe God is gonna actually give unto us and multiply it beyond our wildest dreams. And then we ultimately, at the core of it, whether either of these things happen, uh, we give because God has given to us, amen? Final reason we give, and this is, this is, this is kind of landing the plane for love week. That's getting really low. We give for the reveal, revelation. We give to reveal the reality of Jesus. I love how this story kind of ends where Jesus rebukes the disciples. They're saying, why, why would you waste money like that? Why would you do that? And, and it, it so works. He, he pushes back to them and he says, why, why are you bothering her? Why would you bother? Why are you troubling this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. You see, this is about Jesus. It's not about perfume. It's not about her. It's not about the waste. It's about the value of Jesus. He says, You've done, she's done a beautiful thing to me. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. See, for her, this is no waste. What it's doing is it's shining the light of the truth of the fact that Jesus is the ultimate treasure. That Jesus is that valuable, that million dollar perfume or years worth of perfume, a wage, years wages of perfume is nothing in comparison to this Jesus. That's what this is all about. It, it reveals the surpassing worth of Jesus. And when we are radically generous, that's what it does. My, my hope with Love Week, all, all, all this full disclosure, we're going we're gonna to give generously all week long. We're going to give to people in such a way that we're going to give them, and you owe us nothing. That's our privilege to give to you. No strings attached. We don't expect anything from you, but I'll tell you something. I've got so much hope attached to that. You see, I do hope they, they stop and they think, why this waste? Why this waste? Why would they do that? And I, and I hope they think about it, and they have to process through it, and then they hopefully will arrive at this one reality that the only thing that could drive a people who, yep, we've got Christmas coming up. Yep, we're already stretched with move. Yep, we're already doing this. Yep, my car's broken. Yep, we've got all these things, and yet we're still generous. I hope that the reality of this waste finally just gets consumed with the value of Jesus, you see, because in the face of Jesus, it's all waste, doesn't matter. That's what, that's what Paul was talking about. He's like, he's like the, oh, to know the surpassing worth of Jesus. Like everything else is rubbish in comparison to the surpassing worth of Jesus. When we are radically generous, it shines a light to the world that Jesus is the King of Kings, that he is our provider, that he is our living Savior, not just this philosophy that we go to church to check it off our card each week. Like we believe that Jesus is alive and he's here and he's changing our lives and he's influencing our day-to-day our, our -day decisions. And it's actually Jesus who's being generous through us. You see, we don't give for the poor, we give for Jesus. 
hear me when I'm saying that. We're going to give to the poor, absolutely. And the heart of Jesus is after the poor. He sees them, and God wants us to move in that way. But the reason we are ultimately giving is for the glory of Jesus. That's why we give. That's why we live this life of radical generosity. That's why we're going to do Love Week. Jesus said it like this. I'm going to wrap up. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and ask, why this waste? And hopefully come to the conclusion where they glorify our Father in heaven. See, with Love Week, we're trying to reveal the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. That's what this is about. It's not about making King's Church famous. It's not so people can think we're such great people. It's so people will know that Jesus is Lord. It's so people will know that Jesus' church is alive and well and we're moving in authority and God has given us authority to walk into places of need and meet them. That's why we're doing this, to reveal the light of the truth of the value of Jesus. Church, we are a radically generous people. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I suggest you do some work in asking the question, have I received this radical generosity? Because this is who we are and this is not gonna go away. This is a lifestyle that we embrace. It's not a one-off, it's not a one-week thing. It's a lifestyle that we are radically generous. We serve a generous king who gives without limit or condition and out of his unending wealth, we give. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We're gonna, we're gonna respond, we're gonna take an offering. And this offering is not a dime of it stays in this facility. Everything that you give right now is gonna go out. And for those of you who don't know what Love Week is, Love Week, we're just gonna pool our resources. We're gonna give our time. I'm gonna challenge you beyond your financial gift. I'm gonna challenge you to go on our website, kingschurch.cc. And on the website, Pastor Drew's got this beautiful page there that'll help you navigate how to get involved with your time. Uh, There's all kinds of things that are happening through the church. You can jump in and be part of that. We're trying to give volunteer hours too. Uh, There should be little cards on your chair. Those are little cards that you can leave for small little acts of kindness, whether you pay it forward at Tim Hortons or you drop off cookies at the fire station or you do some kind of act of kindness for someone. We want to spread the love of Christ. Take those cards. Why? Reveal. Reveal the gospel. Let people know. It's because of Jesus I'm being nice to you. It's because of Jesus we're being generous. Let them know that they may see your good deeds. So go online. I want to challenge you. Just give an hour this week. Give an hour. And we're going to respond. There are buckets here at the front. And if you're watching online today, got a whole Facebook crowd, there should be a link that pops up. Or if you're on our website, you can, you can click on the link to give. You don't have to be in the city of St. John to be part of this. We, we welcome uh, you to get behind this. It's, it's a great initiative. and It's going to great, great, great places. And so uh, I'm going to invite you in a second to respond and to come up and give an offering. And, and here's all I'm asking you to do. When it comes to what to give, I said it, we're gonna take the limits off. But first couple years, we were just kind of getting a feel for how this is gonna work and seeing how this is all gonna play out. And so we were kind of building on momentum. Well, I'm gonna take the limit off this year. And I wanna take it off of you as well. Do not dictate to God what it has to look like. Maybe this year, you don't have as much in your hand to give. All I'm asking is this, that you would ask the Lord, what would you have me do? And you do it. 
This should be the most freeing, joy-filled moment of your week. Paul says it like this. Here's, here's how you can understand with how, how to give when, when you've got all these things competing for your time and your money. You've only got a little bit of time and a little bit of money. And, and here's what Paul says. I think this will help it click it all in for us before we respond. Paul says to the Corinthians who he was challenging to give, not unlike this. He said, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop return. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Take the limit off. Well, I gave this much last year and I can only give this much this year. I really suck. So I say it, take that off. Or, well, I gave that much last year and that's all I'm gonna give this year. Maybe God's put more in your hand this year. Don't dictate to God, he's saying. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives, can you say it out loud? Can you say it with cheer? Cheerfully, yes! And God will generously provide all you need. Someone needs to hear that because God is right now challenging you to give beyond your comfort zone. God will generously supply all you need. If he's asking you to do it, he will bring you through it. That rhymes, I know, but it's true. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Wow. As the scriptures say, they share freely. They, King's Church, share freely. They give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way. Everyone say in the same way. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, let it be so, Lord, they will thank God. Can I get an amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's ask God to do what only he can do through this. There are buckets at the front. I don't, yeah, and they're at the back as well. Do we have buckets at the back as well? No, only at the front, so traffic jam. Just bring it up as Pastor Jay leads us in this song and we're gonna respond. We do at the back, and I know this sounds clunky, but it's all going to the same place. We have uh, debit and visa in front of the move letters. They can take that right now and swipe it and you can be part of that. We have text to give. If you can't find a way to give, it's because you don't want to and I can't help you. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to do what only he can do this week through Love Week. Are you ready? Lord, we ask you right now that you would take this offering and you would first and foremost find it as a pleasing offering to you. Lord, may this be a beautiful thing we have done to you. May this be a beautiful waste we have wasted on you because you are so surpassingly valuable to us than the money we give, than the time we give. Lord, it's not a waste to us because you're our treasure. So Jesus, we treasure you and we honor you and we bless your name. We just say that you're our king and you have freed us completely and you've freed us to be generous. So God, we bless you. We ask, Lord, that every dime of this, every penny of this, for, the, for, for where you are sending it, as you have directed us to the organizations and to the stories that you are gonna meet with a miracle, Lord, we ask that every penny of this would not just be received with gratitude, but I ask God that they would see your favor resting on this gift and that God, it would go exponentially further than any check they'd ever received before, that they'd know it's not just this dollar amount, but there was something else attached to this and something else happened and unlocked in our organization when King's Church came and they were generous to us. So God, would 
would you bless each of these gifts as they come in? And now, Lord, for the, for the givers, I pray, Lord, that you, as you are true to your word, you would enrich their lives in every way. Lord, that they would know your goodness in the land of the living, that it wouldn't be a someday blessing. It's a, it's a today blessing that they would experience as they sow in faith. So, Father, we now give this to you with generous, cheerful hearts. We thank you for how generous you have been to us. And it's our privilege today to be generous and to reveal the love of our great Father. We pray this in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. Are you excited? I'm excited. So you can come as they sing, come and give, and let's give generously and let's see what God does. Amen? All right, let's do it. <laughs> 